up my day not one little bit because i know the rain has a purpose and the rain comes so that things might grow and so even in the midst of the absenteeism of that the rain causes we know that god is still at work and he's still moving and he's still growing things through the watering of the rain so we give god thanks for that and praise for this morning so uh, also the rain ain't gonna mess up my single de mayo either i'm gonna give me some tacos Come on, somebody. <laughs> I would tell you my spot, but I don't want y'all in my spot taking up my seat. <laughs> I love you all, but tacos just have a special place in my heart. <laughs> Amen, somebody. I knew I'd have a witness in here. <laughs> so listen, I'm so grateful to be with you guys this morning. Um, man, I'm still, I'm still beaming about baptisms last week. Man, it was such an exciting time, such a wonderful uh, just celebration for us to to see people go public with their faith. We had water all over the place. It was amazing. I loved it. Uh, so I'm just grateful to the Lord uh, for all of those who went public uh, with their faith. And um, we know that that is just the beginning. And uh, in the beginnings uh, of things, we have to trust the process. We have to trust the process in the beginnings of things. Can somebody grab me a water, please? I'm I'm already doing bad up here with my voice. Um, go ahead and play the video, please, if it's ready. Hey, there we go. So we're in a new series called Trust the Process. Anybody enjoy last week? We talked about trusting in trials, even though that sounds a little bit counterintuitive that we trust trials. But God uses trials in our life to do uh, to, to form us and shape us and produce endurance. And uh, so we looked at that last week in James chapter one. And so today I'm going to be with you in Philippians chapter one, verse three through 11, with a message that I've titled Trust the Pace. Trust the pace. See, the goal of any follower of Christ is to is to become more like him. Amen. Y'all y'all trying to be more like Jesus or no? Like what, what, which one is it? We, we trying to be more like Jesus. That is the goal for every believer is to be more like Jesus. So our entire lives are pointing us in that direction. Whether we know it or not, the, the, what the things that occur in our lives and the things that happen in our lives are pointing us in the direction of shaping us and growing us to be more like Christ Jesus. However, sometimes we fail to truly see uh, that while we participate, it is God who is changing us. See, we get all bit out of shape sometimes because we feel like we should be growing at a, at a faster pace. Then, we, then we're actually growing, but God is the one who controls the pace. 
So he, he's setting us apart at his own timing and he's shaping us. You know why God goes at his own pace? Because he's not worried about time. Because God sits outside of time and he does things at the pace that he wants to do them because time is not an impediment for him. And he realizes that, you know what, he has all of eternity to do whatever he wants to do. And so he's going to take his time to grow us and shape us. So we've got to trust the pace. So, listen, it's not an overnight process. I told you that last week. It's not an overnight process. God is shaping us and forming us at his own pace as he has decided. So we just have to trust the process, and here's what that looks like. Go to Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 through uh, 11. 3 through 11. So it says here, this is Paul writing to the, to, to, to the church of Philippi. And he's saying to them, he says, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. Always praying with joy. Somebody say joy. That was good. Always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. Because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now. Verse 6, he says, I am sure of this. That he who has started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. That should have made a little bit more of us happy in here that God will complete the work that he has started in our lives. Then he says, indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart. And you are partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness. Anybody know that God is their witness? He is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing. Say keep on growing. Say it one more time. Keep on growing. I pray that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and in every kind of discernment. Well, we need discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of our God. Father, we thank you. God, thank you for your word today, Lord. We pray, Lord, that your word, God, would, would speak to us today. God, and as you speak to us today, might we hear and respond by saying, Lord, help us to obey. Lord, we know that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword severing the marrow from the bone. And God, I pray that this word would get deep down into the marrow of our souls. God, it's in that same spirit that I, I pray that you would stand in my body and, and think through my mind and, and speak through my mouth and let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer, in whom I place all of my trust. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray, and the whole church said, amen. We must remember 
that everything belongs to the Lord. Everything. That even includes our personal growth. That belongs to him too. So trusting that God knows what he is doing may be difficult, but it's always best. Anybody know that God knows what he's doing? Like there's never a second or a millisecond of the day that God is not in control of and he doesn't know exactly what he's doing. It might feel like that to you, but God is in control. It might feel like things are spiraling, but God is in control. And he knows what he's doing. I get upset when people try to tell me how to drive. I'll be like, I know what I'm doing. Know how long I've been driving? Not even that long, because I'm not even that old. But (laughs) I'll be acting like I've been driving for 40 years. Like, don't tell me how to drive. And I can just imagine when we're in the midst of difficulty and situations, and we, we question God, he's sitting up there saying, I've had my license all of eternity. What are you talking about? You better just sit on there in that back seat and relax, enjoy the ride. But but the work of, of truly growing, it has to be the work of God in our lives. We are really limited in what we can do to actually grow. It, it, it's based on God's initiative in the process. See, a plant is limited in, in what it can do to actually grow. If somebody doesn't first till the ground and make the soil receivable for the seed and then come and water the plant and then come and give the right amount of sunlight to a plant, there are certain plants that if you give them an improper amount of water and if you give them an improper amount of sunlight, then they won't grow at all. In fact, they'll die. So God is aware of the pace at which you are to grow, and he's aware of how to grow us, each and every one of us. So it's based on his initiative, and we can, we, what we do is we have to make ourselves available, but only after he has started the work. So we have to trust that God will finish the work that he began. And listen, our confidence is based on what we know about God's promises and our ability to trust him. See, trusting God with our lives is much like trusting a parent to do what is best for us. That might be hard for some of you in here because you've got some strained relationships with your parents. But God is a good father. He is the ultimate father. He's the best father that ever existed. And we have to trust him as we would trust our parent to do what's best for us. Even if we don't realize what they're doing at the time. See, my auntie would tell me no. And I didn't understand it. I'm like, I just want to go play basketball. Why are you always saying no? I never said that because that would be a violation. (laughs) And I would have gotten in, in, in big trouble. <laughs> and I would have been big mad because <laughs> she would have whooped me. That's what would have happened. I saw an article that said whooping is out of style. And I said that wasn't like that <laughs> when I was coming up. It was in full style. <laughs> Shoot. And it worked. So I don't know what y'all talking about in this article. It worked. So listen, we, we have to learn to trust God as our father who loves us. 
Y'all hearing me? God is our father. And that means he loves us. So because he loves us, he's going to do what is best for us. And we've got to trust that and believe that with every fiber of our being, that our God is after our best. we got to believe that, y'all. And so we need to let God's process guide us. If we follow God's plan for growth, we can be ensured that we are covering all that he intends for us to cover. And when we don't follow the process, we may neglect many things that he intends to use us to use to grow us. I tell people all the time. And I'm getting ahead of myself in the message because I'm, I'm going to lay out for us how relationships shape us. But I tell people all the time that when I got married to my wife, God brought levels of sanctification into my life that I didn't even know I needed. God caused me to grow in ways that I didn't even know I needed to grow, and he used the relationship with my wife in order to grow me. So anytime we try to get ahead of the process, we end up missing steps, and we don't get to grow into the full maturation that God has for us because we're always trying to rush ahead of the process. So here's what we have to do. In learning to trust the process, we need to trust the pace. See, we need to grow at the pace that God wants us to grow, even if it doesn't feel like we're growing. And and the way that we do that is we have to have the right pace of mind. That's my first idea is that we have to have the right pace of mind. Here in verse 3, he says, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. See, Paul is urging us that we need to have the proper pace in order to grow. And here in this passage, he's arguing that the proper pace is the pace of gratitude. Come on, somebody. He's arguing that the proper pace for us is the pace of gratitude. And if we're honest in here today, the reason why we're always thrown off and we feel like everything is spinning past us is because we're ungrateful. See, the reason why things are swirling around our head and we get in circumstances and we think that everything is falling apart, the real reason is because we're not grateful for the things that God has already done in our lives. See, Paul here, he's informing us that if we trust the pace of gratitude, watch this, we'll place ourselves in the presence of Christ. See, the word here used for giving thanks is the word, is the Greek word Eucharisto, where we get the word Eucharist from, which is the celebration of communion. And in communion, we believe that Christ is present with us during that meal. That's why we do that every week here at Epiphany, because we believe that Christ is present with us when we partake of that communion meal together as a body. So when we give thanks, what we actually do is we transport ourselves right into the very presence of God. See, if if, if you feel like you're lagging behind and you feel like you're struggling all the time, let me challenge you to give thanks for something. If your marriage feels like it's stumbling and you're not getting out of the blocks here, let me challenge you, trust God, give thanks to God for something that he's done in your marriage. Same thing goes on your job. If you feel like things are just uncertain on your job and they tripping, they hating on me, all this kind of stuff, guess what you need to do? You need to give thanks to God for something that's going on at your job. 
And in the midst of that, you transport yourself right into the very presence of God. So as we trust the process, we have to put ourselves in his presence by giving thanks. Got tracking with me? And here's what. The reason we don't trust the pace when it comes to our growth process is because uh, growth process in Christ is because we don't remember the growth that we've already experienced. That's why Paul says, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. See, see, he's, he's telling us that we have to remember the place where we used to be if we're ever going to appreciate and grow in the place where we currently are. Listen, we walk around being ungrateful about where we are in our relationship status because we forget where God brought us from. Listen, bro, you, you were, before you were in Christ, you were a whoremonger. Let's keep it a B. Before you were in Christ, you was running around doing everything you wanted to do with all types of women and doing all types of crazy stuff. And now you're whining because the godly girl that you're dating wants to take it slow. Bro, chill. Like, you got your godly woman now. Relax. We walk around being ungrateful about our career, but that's because we forget where God brought us from. I wish I was further along and knowing what God wanted me to do. I wish I just knew my purpose. Remember when you didn't want to do anything for God because of fear? And now that you're ready, God's supposed to fast track you? And rush to reveal your purpose to you? Well, God was ready uh, six months ago. And you were like, no, no, I don't want to do it. (laughs) Crazy. (laughs) Slow your roll and trust the pace. Here's a helpful tip, tip for you. Paul gives it to us. It's not my tip. This is Paul's tip. Pray. He says, I thank God for my, I thank my God for every remembrance of you, always praying, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. See, Paul said, I'm always praying for you. He's instructing us that in order for us to have the proper pace of mind, we must always pray. See, prayer means offering your need or your poverty to God. See, the the truth of why we don't pray is because we don't truly believe that we have poverty. See, the the reason why we don't bring bring things before God is because we really think that uh, in, in our minds that we've got it under control. And if we're honest, we really believe that God doesn't have the right plan for us and that we have the right plan. So we don't submit our need to him because we think we've got it covered. See, the, the, the truth of why we don't pray is because we don't believe in our poverty. We, we think that we're charming enough to advance our marital status. We think we're smart enough to enhance our financial situation. We think we're strong enough to steer the ship of our children's future. We think we're stable enough to remediate the emotional baggage of our childhood. So instead of praying, here's what we do. We complain and end up delaying our growth in Christ. See, complaining will keep you from your promised land. 
I need a witness in here today that knows the word of God that our complaining will keep us from our promised land. Don't believe me, ask Israel. 40 years. Because they decided to complain. Instead of remember that when they were in, in, in Egypt, they cried out to God, he delivered them. And then he delivered them when they were at the Red Sea, they cried out to God, and he delivered them through the Red Sea. And then when they got on the other side of the Red Sea, they were crying out to God because they were hungry. And guess what? He gave them some food to eat. And then when they got some food to eat, they didn't like the type of food that he gave them, so they started complaining again. And then God delivered them one more time. And then after the, all of that complaining, God continued to deliver them and do things for them, and they forgot. But we have to remember what God has done. We can't get spiritual amnesia. That's our favorite, uh, our favorite affliction is spiritual amnesia. In other words, we start acting like spoiled brats, spiritual brats. God's not doing what I want him to do right now. <laughs> Why wouldn't he listen to me? <laughs> it's like, bro, relax. <laughs> you, out, you out here in these streets looking crazy. But watch this. He says, always praying. Oh, I love this. He says, always praying with joy. See, Paul understood something about joy. That if we would capture as believers here in this day and age, we would be able to change the trajectory of the Christian faith if we would just have joy. See, people don't want to deal with Christians because they look at Christians and they think, y'all miserable. I read an article this morning. I've read too many articles this morning. I was reading an article this morning talking about some old stiff, stuffy dude, uh, intellectual uh, theologian was writing this article about how uh, we've taken worship too far and how we don't we uh, we we take worship out of context and we feel like worship is supposed to do all these kinds of things for us when it's really the word of God that's supposed to do that. Okay, bro. Like, I agree with you. Calm down. Like, relax. Like, people are, 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 are trying to have some joy. And you want them to just be sitting here singing from the Psalter and singing the songs and all that craziness. Like, man, relax. People need some joy in their life. But here's what Paul is saying. He says, when you pray about a situation, do it with joy. In other words, when you pray about a circumstance, that word for joy means calm delight. So what Paul is saying is that when you pray with joy, the situation don't seem as crazy. When you pray with joy, your circumstance don't seem so out of hand. Because when you pray with joy, you pray with a calm delight because you know your source. And you know the source of your strength. And you know that you can look to the hills from which comes your help. And you know that your help comes from the Lord. So we got to pray with some joy. We're out here praying all miserable. Woe is me, God. Like y'all praying Eeyore prayers. Stop praying Eeyore prayers. Pray some Tigger prayers. <laughs> Listen, the wonderful thing about Tiggers is that Tigger's a wonderful thing. You got to believe that in your spirit. You know why? Because he said that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. 
So you are a wonderful thing. And, 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 and if you're in Christ, guess what? He has made you new in him. And so you're a new thing. I'm going to move. Listen. He says, praying always with joy for you with my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel. See, Paul's delight comes from the reality that he has partnership in God. The greatest way to trust the pace is to have fellowship with other believers. See, when, when you have communion with other believers you'll be able to understand your process differently. And when you understand your process differently, you can trust the pace of your growth. So the the process of other believers, watch this, it will instruct you about what it means to be faithful to God even when you don't feel like you're growing as you should. That's why you need some brothers and sisters and and some older brothers and sisters. And I don't mean older in terms of age. I mean older in terms of faith who have been around the block a few more times than you and who have experienced a few more things than you that can point you to the cross in the midst of your difficulty and let you know that if God didn't fail you on the cross, that he won't fail you right now. That if God did not cease to go to the cross to die for your sins, then surely there's nothing that he won't do for you in this life. See, the process, when when we can walk in fellowship that the gospel calls for us, we will be able to experience the good news of trusting the process. That's why he says, I thank you for your partnership in the gospel. It is the gospel message that allows us to trust the pace. The gospel message teaches us about the restraint that is required in doing God's work. Here's what I mean. Jesus, although he had all power, he restrained himself until it was his time. See, he, he often said, my time has not yet come. He, he said that so many times. And, and the reason some of us are stuck spiritually is because we acted outside of our time. See, we tried to force the relationship with that guy or girl, even though God told you that it wasn't your time yet. We tried to confront our parents about the, their mistreatment of us when we were young, even though our time had not come yet, and we end up being more emotionally damaged than we were in the beginning because we didn't trust the pace of knowing that there were still some things that God had to work out in our parents before they were ready to have that conversation with us. We got to trust the pace. We tried to start our own ministry because we thought we were more spiritual than everyone else. Even though there were still major deficiencies in our understanding of spiritual leadership that would lead us to damage others, walk with Christ, because our time had not yet come. We have to trust the pace. Look at what Paul says here. He says, in trusting the pace, watch this, I am sure of this. That 
He who started a good work in you will carry it out until completion. See, this surety he's talking about is a confidence. And confidence starts in our minds. I watched this cool little movie the other day. Can't remember the name of it. What was the movie we watched? What is it? Dumpling. If I see Dumpling, it's on Netflix. You got to watch it. It's on there. Uh, so the girl in the movie, she had some confidence issues. And there was a boy who liked her. And she, she was like, there's no way you could like me. Look at me. And so he's like, I, I, I think you're beautiful. What are you talking about? Like, I, I think you're beautiful. I don't care what other people say. I don't care what other people think. I, I think you're beautiful. And so she looked at him and he said, but I guess it don't matter unless you believe it. And that's the reality of having confidence in Christ is that unless we know who we are and who we belong to, we will always try to outrun the pace to get to somewhere that we think we're supposed to be when God is saying, I've got you right where I want you to be. That's why we got to trust the pace. Paul, he's letting us know that, that he is fully persuaded in God's ability to do good work in us. The surety of this promise should serve as, here's what this word means, the, the Greek suggests that it's a tranquilizer for us. In other words, having confidence or surety that Christ will complete the work ought to be a mild sedative for us when we're going through the process of sanctification. And then he says, he who started, I'm sure that he who started a good work in you will complete it. This starting here is a word that means to begin or to commence. <clears throat> Commencement is upon us for a lot of students. Some of our people are at their commencement today. Um, they sent me a link to watch it. I'm like, I'm preaching. I can't watch your commencement. <laughs> I'd love to, but I can't. But they sent me a link for their commencement. It's interesting that the ceremony for graduating and having completed all of those tests and studying all of those hours and doing all of those exams, the process for celebrating that is called commencement. In other words, it means that it's just the beginning. And so in one sense, when we celebrate commencement or when God says, I'm commencing something in you, you've got to know that even though that word means it, it means to start something, it, we, we go through the process and we go through trials and we go through difficulty and we feel like, oh, man, I've been going through so much. I'm glad when this is over. And then once it's over, God says, I'm just starting something in you. When it's over, God says, I'm just beginning a new work inside of you. When, when the thing starts back up again, you think you're at the end of your trials, but God's saying, I'm all, I'm just starting something new inside of you. Look, you, you studied a lot. <laughs> you prayed a lot. You fasted a lot. And God said, that's just the beginning. 
I'm getting ready to do something in you that required all of that. And you're going to need the skills and the tools and the resources that you garnered from having done all of that in order to get you to the place where I'm trying to take you. See, we've got to stop looking at the process as the end. The process is just the beginning. See, listen, I, I love that, it, it, this, that we call the ending the beginning. When we talk about commencement, because your ending is just your beginning. And listen to this. He says, all of that, God, will, who started something, who commenced something, he started, guess what he started in you? A good work. See, we question God. And oftentimes we wonder, what is God doing in my life? Does he really have my best interests in mind? But the truth of the reality is this, is that God is doing something good in your life. That word means pleasant, agreeable, excellent, honorable, distinguished, and useful. See, the work that God has started in us is a useful work. God don't waste nothing. I don't know that's bad English. It's good theology, though. God doesn't waste a thing. And there is no wasted time with God. That's why you've got to trust the pace. It says that he started a good work in us. This is where this word for work is where we get the root word for ergonomic. Anybody know what ergonomic means? Ergonomic. Y'all, y'all never work for Cutco. That's why. If you ever sold knives for Cutco like I did my first year out of high school, they got me in the throne. They was like, hey, listen, we want you to sell these knives. These knives are the best knives ever. And they are. They, listen, they are the best knives ever. They're, they're too good because <laughs> they cost like $800 for a set. But. You get these, you get into this training program with, with Cutco. And what they start to teach you is look, they say, look at this handle. This handle is ergonomic. What that means is that you can hold it in either hand and it still feels the same way. No matter which way you hold it, it feels the same. In other words, it's well designed. So the work that God is doing in your life is an ergonomic work. In other words, God, no matter which way you hold it, no matter which way you try to shape it, no matter which way you look at it, no matter which hand you hold it in, it is a good work that God is up to in your life and it fits your hand and it fits your life appropriately. So when God is doing a work in you, you've got to recognize that the work that he's doing, it fits you. God's not giving you something that don't fit you. Because the problem is, and the problem I have with with, with, with a lot of these young girls out here sagging their pants and that stuff don't fit them, they can't walk properly because they're not wearing something that fits them. And most of us are trying to wear stuff that doesn't fit us spiritually, and we end up not being able to walk properly after the way that God is calling for us to walk because it doesn't fit us. Stop putting on things that don't fit you. 
that that relationship, it don't fit you. That, that, that circumstance that you found yourself in, it doesn't fit you. And it doesn't fit you because you tried to force it when God said, just trust the process and trust the pace. I'm at work in your life. And it says he'll carry it to completion. God will complete the work he started in you, and that should settle your hearts. Keep the pace of mind. Keep the right pace of mind and remember. Remember how God protected you from making a shipwreck out of your life. Remember how God graciously let you come into the family of God. Remember how God awakened you to the ugliness of your sin. Remember how you walked from walked away from that terrible car accident that should have took your life. Remember how your mother was surviving breast cancer even though the prognosis was a terminal one. Remember how you had mentors and friends who guided your life and taught you and who were teaching you and telling you about the way that you should go. Remember how God sustained you during that season of unemployment. You didn't know how you was going to pay your bills and the Lord provided for you. Remember how he miraculously healed your body. Remember that impossible prayer request that you prayed and God answered it anyway. Remember how you had no money and the envelope showed up in the mail with the right amount of money that you needed? Remember how the gospel came alive in you like never before? That's a work of God. He's up to something in each and every one of our lives. And we've got to remember and remember God in our hearts. That's my next idea. I got to go. I got to move quickly. It says here that Paul, Paul says it's, it's right for me, verse 7, for me to think about you this way. He says, indeed, it is right for me to think about all of you in this way. Why? Because I have you in my heart. Paul's saying it's right for him to think about us that way. In other words, he's saying it's equitable for me to think this way about you. Equity doesn't mean that everyone gets the same thing. That's not what equity is. Instead, equity is that everyone gets what he or she needs. So herein lies the fundamental issue with growing in Christ at the right pace of heart. Comparison. We keep looking to receive what others have received at the same pace at which they have received it. But God says, I'm righteous. And that word means that he's equitable. And he gives to everyone what they truly need when they're able to receive it. So stop looking for God to release you from things just because he released somebody else. His righteousness won't allow him to acquiesce to your comparison. And so he says, Indeed, it is right for me to think about you this way because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in the gospel. Here's the problem with comparison. It doesn't allow us to see others as partners in our growth process. 
when we start looking around and comparing ourselves to other people, what we ultimately do is that we make them our competition. And we don't do it intentionally. We're just on Instagram. We're just on that explore page. And we're looking at what God is doing in other people's lives. We're sitting there planning our vacation. And then we get online and we look at, on Instagram and we see friends of ours who we know don't have as good of a job as we do. They out somewhere in Thailand doing something special and spectacular. And you're like, how they get to go to Thailand? And I'm sitting here struggling trying to figure out how I'm going to the beach. But comparison doesn't allow us to see our brothers and sisters as partners in the gospel with us. It lets us see them as our competition. And guess what? Your only competition, where are my weightlifters at in here? Your only competition is you. You have to grow at the pace at which God is calling you to grow. But we got to realize that God uses people like he uses trials to help us grow in grace. And that's usually because people are at the other end of our trials. But there's no greater partnership in your growth than your relationships. That's why we need to cultivate healthy, grace-filled relationships with believers and unbelievers alike. Relationships with believers will challenge you to deepen your faith. Y'all hearing me? Relationships with unbelievers will challenge you to stretch out your faith. But grace is required for both of them. That's why he says that that you're partners with me in grace. Grace is defined as loving kindness or favor. And then he says, look. That grace that you've been partners with me in is even in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So grace is exactly what you need when you find yourself in the imprisonment of life circumstances. When you're in the prison of doubt, you need grace. When you're in the prison of fear, you need grace. When you're in the prison of frustration, you need grace. When you're in the prison of hopelessness, what do you need? That was okay. <laughs> when shame becomes your impediment, you need grace. When distrust becomes your disability, you need grace. And Paul said that he found grace in his chains through relationships or partnership. And that grace was a defense for the gospel in his life. And it provided Paul with a reasoned statement of faith in his imprisonment. Can I tell you that your relationship with someone can be the statement of faith that they need in order to go through life? That's why we need a commitment to community. It's because we need other brothers and sisters in Christ. We need other people who can walk with us and tell us, don't worry about that. That ain't nothing. I went through the same thing. I made it through. I'm going to be all right. And you're going to be all right too. I had to go. So Paul, he tells him, listen, I, I deeply missed you, brothers and sisters. 
with, with deep affection, with the affection of Christ, he says. And if, if we're going to trust the pace, then we need to have some strong relationships. And then my last idea is this, and then I'm going to close, is the pace of prayer. Paul says, I pray that your love will keep on growing. So Paul says, I pray that your, he says your love will keep on growing. In other words, Paul is saying, I pray that your love with others will, for others will exist in abundance. That's what that means. He's praying that it will exist in abundance, and we need to pray for that kind of love. We need that kind of love that will abound through circumstances. Y'all hearing me? We need love that will overflow in knowledge and discernment. Because the problem with Christianity today is that we've given away our discernment in order to be accepted. We can't tell right from wrong anymore because we've given away our discernment. Because we want to be liked. But God has never called us to be liked. He called us to be beacons of light. That rhymed. I should should have liked that one. (laughs) But Paul, he's calling us to examine ourselves here. And I got to close. I'll probably jump back into this next week. But the reality is is this. As I close, I'm going to share this one little story. In Antarctica in in 1909, uh, a dude, his last name was Shackleton, and him and his three buddies, they tried to travel to the South Pole. And from trying to travel to the South Pole, they set off with four horses to help them carry the load. But weeks later, the ponies had died. Rations were all exhausted. And they turned back towards the base with their goal not being completed. Although they trekked 127 days on the return journey, Shackleton, he records in his book, The Heart of Antarctica, of the Antarctic, that the time was spent talking mostly about food. They talked about elaborate feasts, gourmet delights, sumptuous menus. And as they staggered along, suffering from dysentery, not knowing whether they would survive, every waking hour was occupied with the thoughts of getting something good to eat. Jesus, who also knew the ravages of food deprivation, said this. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirst for righteousness. We can understand Shackleton's obsession with food, which offers us a glimpse into the passion that Jesus had for righteousness. And that should point us to the same desire that we should have for righteousness. As we're seeking to grow in Christ, we've got to grow at the pace at which he calls us to grow, but we've got to have a good diet in the process. We've got to have a good diet of reading our word and praying and fasting. We've got to have a good diet of practicing spiritual disciplines and doing the things that God has designed in order to make us grow. So we have to make ourselves available in order for God to grow us. And that's what my call is for us today is is to put ourselves in the right position. Trust the pace and allow God to work in you and through you. Maybe maybe you're here and you don't understand what I'm talking about. You don't understand what this growth thing I'm talking about. You don't understand what it what it what I'm what I'm referring to when I say that 
we're growing in Christ. But before we were in Christ, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, Scripture tells us. And that God, Christ made us alive in Him when we trusted in Him through the faith that He provides us. And when we trusted in Him, He called us to begin on a journey to start to look more like Him. Jesus was the ultimate human being to ever live. He was perfect. Scripture tells us. And in his perfection, he teaches us and shows us how we ought to live. And that's an invitation for all of us in here today. Is that God is calling us to continue to grow in him. He's calling us to continue to learn what it means to to have a full relationship with him and walk with him day after day, week after week. And so we want to invite you into that journey with us if you've never taken that step of faith before. We want to invite you into that journey with us because that journey is a process that we have to learn to trust. Knowing that God will complete the work that he started in each and every one of us when we just place our trust in him. So I want to invite you today into that journey. If you're here today and you haven't trusted Jesus before, I want to invite you to trust him today. Make him your Lord and Savior today. He will guide you along a path towards a life that he promises will be an abundant life. He says, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Anybody here want some abundant life? Life that don't run out? Life that don't fade away with time? But a life that just stays abundant? If that's you, every head bow, every eye closed. But you would just slip up your hand and say, I, I want to I take that journey. I want to take that walk of faith and learn to trust that process. Is there one today? Is there one in here today who wants to trust the process that Christ is calling each and every one of us to trust? Father, we thank you. Thank you for your love, your kindness, your mercy. Lord, help us to trust the process. Help us to trust you fully, knowing that you keep us and you love us and you guide us into all truth. So God, I pray for anyone under the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, God. I pray that they might come to know you in the fullness of your joy and the fellowship of your suffering, God. Teach them to love you and love your ways, God. And encourage them to walk in relationship with a, with a body of Christ, with brothers and sisters, believers, who will teach them what it means to trust the process. It's in Christ's name that